0: and welcome back to Speaking Kid, I'm your host Nick Siegel and every week I'm joined by guests to discuss parenting, early childhood education and our own experiences parenting. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Jeffrey Morgan to Speaking Kid. Jeffrey is a dear friend, uh, a parent and has a remarkable take on parenting. Jeffrey, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before we dive right into what promises to be a really fun episode. So welcome to Speaking Kid. My name is Nick Siegel, and I have the pleasure of being with Jeffrey Morgan, whom I've known since Jeffrey was quite small, uh, because he grew up uh, at the same time as my older children were growing up. And we're going to talk about uh, being parents from a perspective of when a child comes in and it's not, in quotes, normal, that it's uh, different. And you know that before the child is even born. How do you deal with that? How do you come to terms with that? How do you work in partnership with your significant other, your wife, your husband, to set the tone, set the table for yourselves? And also then live your life with this child and participate in the child's life. And so without further ado, I want, uh, Jeffrey, you just to introduce yourself and start with the story of Luca uh, and, and how, how Luca was introduced to you. And we'll go from there.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I'm Jeffrey Morgan. I'm not sure what to say about myself, but... Um... Give us give us a, a 30-second professional background Okay. you're quite accomplished. Okay, I am uh, Executive Director of Operations and Business Development at Sony Pictures Television. And um, I have uh, the pleasure of being part of that community and also the pleasure of being part of several spiritual and personal growth communities. And um, yeah, that's the majority of what I do all the time.
0: Yeah, and you're, you're a father of Luca
1: i am a father of luca it's funny you mentioned that i i never really identified with the identity level of that uh being like a father i kind of relate to it more like a caretaker or a devotee Mm. um i don't when luca was born we were at saint john's and it was a very difficult birth Uh, he had had um too much amniotic fluid throughout the pregnancy. So it was a high risk birth and his head was too big to come out. It was like, do some basic geometry and it's going to be a C-section. It's just a question of when, but in true Luca style, there was a huge contraction. um, I think what they call a Braxton Hicks and it, and it cut off some oxygen. And so they rushed Magali into the operating room ahead of like this poor other couple that had been waiting 24 hours or something through, you know, attempting a quote-unquote natural birth. And and we cut to the front of the line and then he was born. And, you know, it's like we knew he was going to be fine, but those kinds of traumatic birth things usually have some kind of impact. I think that a lot of what we had to do from the get go was cooperation. So we it wasn't a planned pregnancy and we did not have a place to stay. We, it's not like the stereotypical story of like, you know, you prepare the baby's room and you pick wallpaper and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have all the insurance lined up. We didn't we didn't have any of that figured out. And you know, we've kind of put us in this mode of cooperation and improvisation that has actually served us quite well. Because sometimes I think the book gets in the way of the listening.
0: The book? What's the book?
1: You know, all the ideas, all the theories, all the notions Mm. that other people and experts have created about how to raise a child. I've seen children who, because of their karma, their body, they need to be handled with absolute delicacy and gentleness. And there's other kids that really need to be yelled at because that's just they have that denseness and they need that you know uh there's also like with luca i mean he has n- some processing uh, difficulties and he's on the spectrum so sometimes he needs rough play he needs to feel pressure on his body uh just so he can feel where his body is in space mm. but it's like cooperating with what does the child need what's for the highest good of the child so you know when we we're super into hippie natural stuff. And when Magalie was pregnant, we even hired a doula, like we were going to do the natural thing. But then it became really clear that a C-section was the only safe way to do this. And so we just needed to cooperate with that. Mm.
0: And so when did you know that Luca was not going to be in quotes normal?
1: Well, I think that from the beginning, his consciousness was somebody that I was relating to and was not... Uh, normal, Like I felt very, um, okay, God, tell me how to do this because he seemed like a different kind of consciousness. But then it was about, I want to say 10 months in, maybe around a year, our pediatrician was really good, was giving us some reference points about milestones. And, you know, he gave us this book, I think, called Wonder Weeks or something like that. So we had this reference point of like, okay, this is when they're meant to be making this kind of sound. So at first I think I was really resistant to the terminology and all that stuff I had, you know, Magali was like, I think he has a problem. I think he's delayed. I think it's like all of that. I was like, according to whom I think he's doing perfectly well. My intuition says he's right on time. Hmm. So it's like, how do we let that go in the process and cooperate with what's present? Um, Magali was great and very insistent and we got him assessed and he had what's called early intervention, which allowed us to get access to a lot of free classes and a lot of free therapies. Uh, We paid for some of them, but some of them were free and there's just a lot of support. And I think that our superpower in all of that was we had taken the charge off the terminology. So if somebody wants to say he's on the autism spectrum and they're willing to give us a bunch of free occupational therapy we'll say whatever they want yeah sure he's got autism whatever you want you know and it became about what's going to give luca the best the best support and the best care and the best loving because i looked at it and i said well whether he's got autism or not this kind of very sensory oriented coordinated play would be healthy for any kid and they're offering it to us for free so great you know, maybe, maybe Luca just wanted us to get a bunch of free stuff and I'm cool with that too.
0: <laughs> and so it, it sounds like it was very much in, you just wanted to surrender and acceptance of what is and then from that place, you participate.
1: Yeah, and I think it's from the beginning, even during the pregnancy, tuning out the external impressions of the mind and other people's perceptions and really tuning in to what it is my heart is telling me as it relates to Luca. And oftentimes it was telling me, you know, just do this or just do that. I, I'll i give you another example. Listening to the intuition, I had a strong intuition that at a very young age he needed to be taking spirulina. And, you know, it made it a real pain in the butt to clean up after his goop because it was like fluorescent green and it would stick to things. And, And then we came to understand from a lot of research that some of his autism might be due to some kind of heavy metal in his brain or otherwise, like there's some kind of, maybe some form of mercury or something like that. And the thing that a lot of naturopaths were saying was you got to take chlorella or spirulina. And I had, you know, and of course there was that initial moment of, I told you so, to to my wife and and that passed but then i was just kind of like in awe of it and i talked to this woman who was working for me and she's an engineer uh working in the before she worked for me she was in the petroleum industry and she said well that's interesting because makes perfect sense to me we had to clean heavy metals off of the equipment and the only thing that worked was blue green algae was the only way they could clean heavy metals off the equipment so of course it makes sense it's the only thing that would pull it out of your body so it was, you know, trusting those intuitions. Um, another one was we were picking pediatricians and it was horrible. So like, I don't know if it's just like trying to get a kid into school. It's all, it's all just this horrible line of horribleness. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, so what I did was I, um, I just trusted, I had this interesting ability with research where I just kind of follow the breadcrumbs and we couldn't find a pediatrician. He had a traditional pediatrician that had a very cafeteria approach to children and we didn't like that, right? You know, like cafeteria approach, meaning all kids are the same and you just got to serve them up these these shots at this time. And this is like, no, every kid needs what they need to be the best them that they're going to be. And so what I did was I did a ton of research. I read a bunch of articles and some one thing led to another and I found my way to this dumpy, terrible website of this pediatrician in West Hollywood who who had space and had exactly the philosophy that we wanted, and and we got in. But I showed the website to my wife, and she's like, well, from an SEO perspective, it's almost impossible that you found this website, but you just follow the breadcrumbs. I think if, if we surrender to the idea that all of this is set up from a higher intelligence than our own, then we can start to consider that everything that we see and hear and experience is intentionally placed to guide us to the next step. And that could be extrapolated out to everything we do, but certainly the way that we parent. And I think that it's really funny. I mean, I was taking a walk the other night and my dad called me and he was so you know, he had this memory of saying this thing to me and he felt so terrible that he had yelled at me. I didn't even remember it. I didn't remember what he was talking about. And he just like, I just felt terrible. I couldn't believe I said that to you. And I was like, Dad, forgive yourself. Let it go. I don't even remember what you're talking about. I was like, if you want to feel guilty, I'll tell you this other story. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but my dad, might but but he, he let it go. But then it, it dawned on me like, The thing that I do to support Luca might be to love myself unconditionally and make it okay that I make mistakes and to make it really safe for him to give me feedback. I mean, I raise my voice sometimes and I gave him permission to hug me if I do that, just to hug me. And then it just diffuses me. I gave him permission also to send me out of the house if I'm being too toxic with my energy. So he'll sometimes send me out of the house to cool off. What does that look like? he says daddy you're raising your voice you go you go out of the house that's what he says (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i do because i want him to know that his perception means something and that his commitment to having a safe environment around him means something Mm. and if he's doing it as a manipulation or something i call him on that too but
0: so do you know the difference inside of you whether you're because the the manipulation dynamic right so uh you're going no i'm pretty balanced right now i'm 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 not balance. it
1: there's that and then there's also usually um with with kids they can't hide it if there's a thing that they want it's like it's very obvious like he wants screen time or he wants this sugary thing or something like that so he's usually not that good at hiding the ball maybe he'll get good at that someday but right now it's pretty obvious when he wants to make a point or do something. Lucas is 6 now,
0: right? Yeah. Right. And so how's that integration into school? I was speaking to Maggie before. You were you were on the phone before we got started, and she says he loves school that he's integrated with school. Yeah. Um, and h- how, how is that process for him and and does he does he, I I I so get that there's a very trusting relationship here at home.
1: And that dynamic I think is essential to you know, he just, communication. He just goes to a fantastic school, and we knew intuitively we weren't going to be doing this private school thing. Like we don't do the helicopter parent thing. We're very much—he says what he's interested in and wants support with, and then other than that, we give him space. But he'll say, "I want to go to the train museum," and we go do that. You know, and so with the school, we're in this district in culver city that's like the best in la so the public school is better than most private schools anywhere in california so he goes to a school called farragut where it is extraordinary the amount that the community supports the school it's a public school the quality of education that he gets he is in a small class the other thing is we were very adamant that we didn't want him in some kind of a special ed class we wanted him in a mixed environment where he would be integrated with kids at different levels. I mean, there's a ton of research just on a societal level of the value of mixed age play, unstructured play as a form of education. I mean, I'm sure like Waldorf was doing stuff like that. Montessori is doing stuff like that, but he was in um, combined classes with somewhat older kids and a lot of kids who were uh, typical. And he would be called, you know, atypical. That's a, that's sort of the new terminology. And it's been really good for him. Now, look, I looked at his report card yesterday. He just finished. And on the cognitive level, they're giving him, like, way above average. Like, on the behavioral level, satisfactory to needs improvement. <laughs> um, because he doesn't always get the social cues and he doesn't always want to listen if he's not entertained. Um, because his mind is just on a different level. I mean, I kind of, I've always been very ordinary with him. Just, I'm just going to love him. The most important thing for me is that he's a loving person. Like the, the one that I struggle with is if he was like a bully or something, I don't know how I could handle that. Cause I, it's, it's kind of, fundamentally difficult but on all the other levels i won it's like i won the lottery like he's into trains who's not into trains trains are awesome uh he's into planets who's not into space space is awesome he's interested in everything that's cool so one time i came home and unbeknownst to me he had taught himself every country on the planet and we have this giant map in his room And you could, he would not be looking at the map and you'd say, find me Fiji. And he would just immediately point to Fiji, find find me Azerbaijan. And he would immediately point to Azerbaijan. And I was like, I didn't teach him that. Like, it's very clear that he has a program for himself. If we just, it's like, I think that kids are a lot like plants in the sense, like you just got to give them what they need to thrive, like water, sunlight, space, good soil, And there's an inherent intelligence in them about what they need. And you just watch them grow and then, you know, you make sure that their roots aren't going to crack some pavement nearby or that they're, you you do what you need to do to, to protect them in the way that they need to be protected, if they need to be protected. But largely, it's just about nurturing their intelligence, their natural intelligence, not intellect as in like brain, but like there is a them that is in them that knows what it's doing. And how do I get out of the way of that and maybe even nurture that? Hmm. I think that a lot of these parenting books advocate bonsai, right? I'm going to distort this tree into exactly the form I think it should take. I just don't think I'm smarter than Luca. I think I'm more experienced this lifetime than Luca. But I don't assume that I'm smarter than him.
0: And how are you defining smart?
1: I think he knows a lot. I think he sees a lot. I think he perceives a lot. I think his intellect is just staggering how fast he processes. So I don't... I think most parents are very hierarchical and they teach kids by implicit learning things that, that don't serve them later. Like the parents who tell their kids to shut up when they're experiencing discomfort in their body have essentially taught their kid not to listen to their body.
0: Mm.
1: Or the parents who tell their kids that they're not allowed to ask for this or are not allowed oh cuz so it's not okay to ask for what you want and it's like it's ridiculous to me i think i focus on fundamentals it's really important to me that luca know how to share cuz that's important that's part of being on a planet together right it's really important to me that luca know what it is to be respectful and loving and honoring of a person's process so if they're sensitive to give them space if they need loving to give them loving and i want i want him to also trust his truth i went through a lot of my life being told that the things that were different about me the intuition and the the things that made my personality sometimes difficult for people meant that I needed to change to accommodate other people. I don't want him to go through that. I want I want him to love himself in that way and to have that confidence. I mean, I, I remember growing up seeing other kids, they had this inherent confidence and sureness in themselves, that I just didn't have because I was being told by my environment that there's something wrong with who I am. And then only recently I realized I had a lot of it figured out at eight years old. So having discovered that, I just assume that a lot of what Luca knows is what he is to know, and that I don't want to be part of the reason he denies that or loses touch with that. Mm. Mm.
0: Well, it sounds like there's great space and freedom for him to really explore all that he's doing. How often does he give you revelation about what his process is and what he's up to?
1: Well, I think it's extraordinary glimmers So it's interesting because I have to check myself like I don't like spoiledness, but it's like, well, people use that term spoiledness. Well, why don't I like spoiledness? And then I start if you start to deconstruct it, it's like, well, it doesn't take into account the impact of a person's behavior on others. So I want him to be aware that his behavior impacts others. And so I've tried shifting the focus when he's going into neediness for an object or something. At the expense of the group or at the expense of others i'll say like let's talk about gratitude what are you grateful for right now if you can give me 10 things you're grateful for then we'll talk about the toy and usually when he gets to about number seven he forgets about the toy so it's like that kind of stuff of redirecting the energy towards something that will serve him but again it's just being true it's just being honest and i'm honest with him i don't tell him what's right and wrong i tell him what i like and don't like I didn't like the way you expressed just then because it hurt my ears. And I really prefer that you, you know, that's different than me saying, you're not allowed to do that. But I also am very honest about asymmetrical bargaining relationships when he wants to stay on the screen and it's time to go take his tub. I say, okay, well, I'll give you another offer. Either you come up right now and take the tub or you lose the screen for a week. What do you say? and he says i think i want to take a tub <laughs> <laughs> you know so you're negotiating i want him to learn how to negotiate i don't want a sheep if i wanted a sheep i'd go buy a sheep i want a thinking breathing reasoning challenging i mean i want him to be a i want him to be raised like i was raised in jr like jr questioned everything and, and who is jr for those that may not know okay john roger was my spiritual teacher, is my spiritual teacher. He's also my godfather, and he was very involved in raising me. A lot of decisions were run by him. A lot of the things that were taught to me growing up were his teachings. And what would be the essence of that teaching? Out of God comes all things. God loves all of its creations. Not one soul will be lost. And also to check things out. It's like if it's the truth, then it will be demonstrably so. It will not be the truth theoretically so. So I want him to challenge everything so that he can find even more essential truths than I have found in my life. I want him to look back and just say, thank God this person was in my life, not thank God he was my father, or thank God he was my this, or thank God I have his genetics. I want him to just say, thank God he was in my life. I'm really happy that I spent that time with him.
0: Yeah, you don't hear many parents talking about that that's the goal of the relationship. Um, I mean, for myself, it was, my father was always kind of this revered guy, and he died early, right? So you get the, you get all of that, the best of someone right after, if they've passed and the reverence gets even greater. And growing up, it was always, well, your father was this, or your father was charming and your father was, you know, every he captivated the room. And so I was thinking, well, is that the way I'm supposed to be? There was never uh, the consciousness of, I'm thankful that that human being was in my life. And he, one, he helped give me life. And two, he helped shape me into the person that i am now it's the the role we place of 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 the definition of family i think is so inherent certainly in in american culture it sounds like you've uh, i love that that dynamic that you're just we're two human beings
1: it's just a privilege and maybe an accident of history because there were times when i was younger than him in other lifetimes and We've probably switched places a lot of times.
0: So now we're now we're kicking into a whole nother. It's not just about this one time around. That, from your perspective, you and Luca from on a soul level have have interacted many times before.
1: I I get that sense for sure, but on another level, it's like, does it matter? Because right now, he's the love of my life. Mm. When he's in front of me, it, it's an interesting thing the ones that we love the most in our family. We don't realize that if we can sacrifice a personal loving of family, we experience a universal loving of God. And I don't say that like in a cheesy way. It's like I had to let go of the role of being Luca's father to have this incredible veneration of him where I would wash his feet if I could and just love him.
0: So what do you feel your responsibility is to Luca?
1: My responsibility to Luca is my responsibility all the time to myself and everyone else. It's to love and serve and to speak to the highest truth that is available to me. And so I'm guided more individually and in the moment. And how do you receive that guidance? What's your process in that? I think you follow the loving and follow the joy. I think that we have a lot of judgments about behaviors. It's like people will react to their kid, oh, they shouldn't be doing this, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. But I really am willing to go into that with them. And it's like if he's playing in a fantasy world, I'm willing to go into that fantasy world with him and just be with him. And I'm just aware from my own experience, like I said, there's implicit learning that everything I do is being learned. And so if I can bring an unconditionality to it, if I can remove my self ego from the equation and can be simply a vehicle by which loving is expressed, then he will have the space to know himself in ways that I don't, that I struggle to know myself. And, and that's, you know, that sounds a lot like no, no rules environment. No, it's it's not it's not at all a no rules environment. It's it's actually an honest environment where I say we're going to go to bed right now because you're going to wake up tomorrow. And then when he argues with me, I say it doesn't work for me to argue with you about this because I have a responsibility to make sure you're at school on time. And then if he keeps arguing, I say it sounds to me like you don't really want to have the screen for the next seven days. And then he lets it go.
0: Well, you've made a leap of faith there i mean you, you've transcended you've just gone to, to what the most attachment dynamic in his life is right now right that becomes the the consequence
1: yeah mm-hmm. i just find the thing and and the, and i'm also implicitly teaching him that we are controlled externally by that which we are attached to if we can bring in so once he figures that one out which he might i'm waiting he's going to figure that out when he becomes detached from the screen he will have overcome a degree of addiction and that power will stick with him for many years well and he's also you're going to lose your leverage well i'll find new leverage (laughs) a good negotiator always finds new leverage so so
0: now we can kick into that whole gear because i you know you and i have talked many times about negotiation and 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 (laughs) the art form of that and the fun of that actually but with our kids But I just love the simplicity with which you you lay it out there. And it sounds like there's very little energy on it from your perspective.
1: No, and and I think I'm also doing something really interesting too where I don't usually yell out of anger with him. Um, I can – if yelling becomes a tool to achieve attention or action – But then afterward, you're really clear with them. No, I wasn't angry at you. I just wanted you to move really fast. You're smiling at them. You take the charge out of it. But was there a charge in the moment when you were yelling? Maybe. I mean, I wasn't charged. I just wanted the result. And I'm really clear with them. I said, I raised my voice just so, oh, but you were angry. I wasn't angry. I just wanted you to move really fast. Can you give me another way for you to move really fast? Yeah, I'll move really fast next time. Okay, then I won't raise my voice. You're, you're having very sophisticated conversations with a six-year-old. He's just a consciousness. It's The years on the planet is so arbitrary. It's like the ego things that we need to feel qualified to be a parent. If we let go of the need to be qualified and just be present and just say, you know what, this person could be a homeless person, but it happens to be my child that I was involved in bringing in on this level. It could be anybody And therefore, this is the person I'm uniquely qualified to love and serve right now. And does that mean I'm going to be consistent in my parenting? No, probably not. Because I'm hyper willing, I'm like radically willing to be honest with what I perceive. And there may be a shift in his consciousness. But the only constant, I think, in the process is I don't think he could ever question the loving that I have for him, that that's never a concern of his. And i never tie my loving to risks or rewards or results i'm very careful not to do that so that's why i'm very clear with him i want this like my ego i would really like you to do this for me because i want this i'm being honest i don't ever let his value get tied to those things because i don't want him to the i'd rather him relate to himself as intrinsically valuable and have that have nothing to do with what he does in the world. And then what he does in the world is just about choice. It's just, you know, what is your preference right now? So I'm really honest with him and I say, I would like you to get in the car really fast because we're late and I would like to be on time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and
0: it's that simple. Yeah. And, and because he gets, is it because he gets the loving underneath it and he loves you that he wants to either please you or just just come into cooperation
1: it is astounding actually because i make it super clear to him all the time that i love him no matter what and that that the level of my loving is not dictated by anything he does but i express appreciation for what he does Mm. and sometimes when i when i see so when i make a comment or talk about gratitude or like i really would prefer it makes me feel good about giving you cars You know, little toy cars. When I see you being grateful for them, and the way you express gratitude is by enjoying them and acknowledging that I gave them to you because I love you, and that you appreciate that. And so I give him that feedback. And then the next day, he (laughs) he's holding this car and he goes, "Oh, Daddy, this is one of the best cars I've ever had." (laughs) And he goes on and on and about how wonderful the car is that I got him. And I was like, "Wow." that worked
0: now do you get that is he is there a tag behind that and dad had like another car or is he genuinely
1: in that me- that mode of appreciation i think he's in the mode of loving me in that moment and i don't care i i don't it's so funny like there's this fear of like spoiling your child like get them more stuff but i don't understand why people make decisions on the basis of concepts it makes no sense if there's light on getting him a car get him a car If there's light on saying no, which there's plenty of times when I've said no, but it's just about being honest with what's present. If you do things conceptually, all you get is more concepts. If you do things lovingly, all you get is more loving. Mm, I love that. I love that clarification. Yeah. And I just, I think people spend a lot of their time thinking about what they could possibly do wrong instead of just engaging with the one that's in front of us. And I think, and I think our society has done a fine job of making it really unsafe to have an honest relationship with the child, because there's all kinds of, if, if people are interested, there is an idea about how we should be doing things and what we're not allowed to do and what we shouldn't do. You know, it just goes on and on. The list goes on. And I find that it's just that old song lyric, right? Love is the strangest thing that I know. You keep it around by letting it go. You follow close, and you follow slow, and love will take you where love wants to go. That, to me, is is the parenting. I feel such gratitude to have Luca in my life, but not because he's my son, but because he's precious. And even if I met him and he was somebody else's son, I would I would think he was precious, and I enjoy being around him. I enjoy when he tells me about things that he learns. And I truly enjoy it. I I see so many parents handling their child like an obligation or another thing on their to-do list. And it's heartbreaking because kids are so fun. If we take the rules and the charge and the trigger out of it, we can have so much fun with kids. And they, like every other human, suffers from this problem of thinking they know what they want and seldom getting what they need if you you know so you don't it's it's tough people don't really know what they really want so they do the best they can and they make it up and maybe it's a toy when they really want a hug or you know maybe it's candy when they really want a loving remark and it's like making that okay too i think it's wasted energy for a parent to think am i screwing up my child what a waste Go sit and hold your child. Don't ask that question. Let the child tell you. Just ask the child, am I screwing you up? See what, they, see what they say. You can ask them inside of you. They may not know what you're saying verbally. but And then they may tell you, you really are. Stop yelling. <laughs> or they might tell you, yeah, you know, my diet is not working for my body and you're doing nothing about it. Or they might tell you, are you serious? Shut up. Hug me more. <laughs> and I, I just...
0: I so appreciate the perspective and I'm just processing how I'm doing as a parent as I listen to you and where those moments where I have the conceptions versus just slowing down whatever the distraction is so that I can be more fully present with Lily in that moment. And I just, I walked out the door and Lily was in our main kitchen sink filled to the top with bubbles and with two little pigtails and and in a bun and Laura was there and she was just singing and dancing uh, in the tub and rocking her body to move the, the water. And so it became little waves. And my first thought is, Oh no, is the water going to come out of the sink and go on the floor? It's like, where am I I going with what's, what's in front of me, you know? And it just, the key for me is, not to beat myself up in that moment, just say, well, I'll get but connect back in. It's it's available.
1: And again, I think honesty is so powerful. Like with Luca, he's a bit clumsy. You know, it's part of his sensory processing. He knocks stuff over. Sometimes he's a bit careless when he could prevent a spill, but he just kind of lets it happen. And so I find it very powerful to go, I really don't like cleaning up messes on the floor. So I don't like when you knock things over when you don't need to because then I have to clean things and I don't like cleaning them. You know, just be honest with them. I don't have to reprimand them and be like, you're so clumsy. I can't believe you did that. I'll just tell them what you did had an impact on my experience and I didn't really like that impact. Could you help me have a better experience next time?
0: So there's great ownership in being really candid.
1: Yeah, so how do you get to ownership you let go of the hierarchy our entire society is built on hierarchies and they're all bullshit every single one of them you've met some of the top ceos and the top people you probably when you were young you thought it was like this big thing like when somebody's a ceo they know something and now that you're the ceo top of the world you're like making it up as i go Right? right. And then, and then when we were kids, we thought because of the hierarchical nature of society, parents know something, adults know something, we know. And it just shocked me that I was like, now that I'm here, there's a lot of decisions that my parents made that I was like, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, they, it's like we get ourselves all bound up in this hierarchical thing rather than saying, this is a human with intelligence, with wisdom, with loving. This is a human that knows what it needs. And I think we contextualize our life. I mean, one thing I loved, I mean, there was a lot of friction in my house because, you know, my, my wife is French and her parents were there and they had a whole notion like Frenchness, is you know, is, is it's pervasive. It's a strong thing. It's a thing to be French in California. I think our thing is the absence of things. It's kind of a rejection of things. There is a way to be French. And Magalie was very, very emphatic about Luca being French. And, you know, what's funny, though, is what I love about French culture is they don't have as much of this kids are over there playing at the kids table And adults are over here being adults and they're like separate rooms. Like in American culture, you have like this phobia of commingling adults with children. And in France, it's like, well, I mean, French Parisians will bring a dog anywhere to a a museum opening. They'll also bring a kid anywhere. And the kid just has this expectation that they're going to behave and they're going to cooperate and participate. And do you know what's funny? They do. The kids don't tantrum. It's not like malls in America where you see a tantrum every five minutes. These little French kids are like, yep, I'm part of this. This is part of my life and I'm going to behave. And, they, and they're and they considered well-mannered, but it's like maybe they're well-mannered because they were given the opportunity to be. They were given the space and there was not an assumption that they were going to be little savages. And yeah, I mean, there's something very, very powerful, as I'm sure you're aware uh, in the French the French disdainful glare when you misbehave that has much more power than yelling. When you're stared at, like when a kid is stared at by a parent because they, uh, you know, feign bêtise, they misbehaved. Ooh, that glare. It's like, yeah, the, the heat of a thousand suns in that glare. But the Frenchness helped because you start to call into question the arbitrariness of certain conventions about parenting, even things as simple as bedtime. Because in France, I mean, bedtime's like, could be 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. for kids. And it's interesting because in the U.S., there's like all these things that are just like cardinal rules of being a parent. And you see them all the time, even down to color palettes. And I guess having those two cultures at the same time I was, in a sense, given choice. Like It's like a lot of American parents, it's like they're fish swimming in water. And then you say, well, are you sure you want to swim in that water and not this water? And then they go, what's water? You know, Because <laughs> they're fish. That's all they know. I was in a position where I could see two different schools of thought enough to know that they're both arbitrary. And therefore, I chose the one that suited us. And there were times where I saw things that were totally off base, like just totally ridiculous. And there's a cost-benefit analysis there. You go, okay, what is it going to take to clear this later? Or you you say, well, it is important and he's going to get a lot of loving and belonging by participating in this completely bullshit French ritual right now. Um, And you got to let go of some of those attachments, like chocolate is a religion in France. I mean... If you're ever in France at Easter, there are entire aisles of every supermarket that become chocolate aisles. It is a religion. So they're wanting to give him real dark chocolate at like age two, age three. And, you know, I'm thinking caffeine and stunting growth and all this other stuff, but you just kind of got to let it go. You kind of got to go. There's a Frenchness to this. Now, if they try to give him wine, I might be like, no, we're not doing that, um, Because I mean, I don't even drink alcohol myself, but I, it's like you kind of have to look holistically and there's constantly, I think the cultural differences mean, and I'm sure we get this on a microscopic level, even between like a parent from Texas and a parent from California or New York, it's, it's, you know, there's going to be some differences for sure. But with the French one, I mean, it's like, you really have to pick your battles and kind of honor the, the larger systemic meaning of all of that, that it's important that he can seamlessly and comfortably go visit France and understands those protocols and doesn't feel like an outcast. So I'm giving him options in that sense, even though I think that the conventionality and the etiquette are bullshit, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and then so in relationship to, to Magali, uh, are you in step most of
1: the time yeah you know more and more right Um I think that the thing that also helps us with parenting is that we parent ourselves like we're really working on being better parents to ourselves uh, so we're constantly working on ourselves and the Magali that was there when Luca was born is not here anymore and That's good. It means we're working on ourselves. I think that we tend to compartmentalize or contextualize and divorce certain experiences from the larger experience. Like we might say, well, this is me doing parenting and this is me doing professional and this is me doing home and this is me doing husband or this is me doing wife. And you do all these contexts And I think that that actually gets in the way of seeing larger patterns because ultimately it's the same thing. It's my consciousness in relation to the beloved. And so in that process, the fact that I do a class or a spiritual practice or something, I'm very much working on my parenting. It's interesting when uh, there was a trip to Egypt that my dad and my mom wanted to go on with John Roger and my mom had all this guilt about leaving us alone. I think I was only, would have, been, would have been only three or four or something like that. It would have been the late 80s or something. And my mom asked John Roger about it and said, I just feel so terrible like I'm a bad mother for leaving my kids alone for three or four weeks to do this. And Jr. looked at her and said, you're going to be a better parent to them because you did this. And I think that we often forget that there is no difference between me, the parent, and me, the person. And that taking care of me better means I'm better able to take care of those around me. And that includes the kid. And I think, honestly, I think that biology has a a lot to do with it too, right? Because here's the thing. I used to be super, super progressive in my approach and really discipline myself not to relate to men and women differently. And I think that from a perspective of standards and advancement and pay and all I totally agree that we should have no difference in the way that we relate to competency, to gifts, to the things that people bring to the table whoever they are. But on the level of wiring and genetics and biology, I think it is very healthy to recognize that we are wired differently as men and women. And so there were certain things where it's like, I had a clear intuition that we needed to let Luca cry it out a little bit because he was in the same room as us. And then he would learn how to move from circadian rhythm to circadian, you know, cycle, like move between the cycles and sleep. But Magali had such a difficult time instinctually listening to that. So we had a real difficult and I didn't complain because I wasn't the one waking up. I had to go to work every day. So she was the one waking up in the middle of the night, but she had such a difficult time keeping herself from doing that. So I think it's very important as partners in this process that we recognize that there is a hardware component here. It's not just a software component. There's biology in play here and that that's okay. And that we can love that and we can laugh about it. Um, You know, it's like talking to my wife about her experience entering a room. She said that the things that are out of place talk to her and they tell her to fix them. And that's why she can't sit down and watch TV and enjoy herself until everything is in its right place. I have no idea what that's like. I have the capacity to just walk into a room and sit down and turn on the TV and think nothing of the details. And I don't know if she can. And I'm pretty sure it has something to do with the wiring. There are things that she does as a mother that I say, oh, just let him, him, whatever. You know, he's, and I'm sure it's different when you have a daughter versus when you have a son. I think the biology shifts for men there. But I think that, you know, I'm like more laid back about something. But if I'm really honest and cooperative about all of that, that includes being cooperative with the biology. And it may be that, it's not about arguing about what's being done. It's more about problem solving and helping the person manage their own biology. You know, cause you might say, no, that's not how you do it. You need to let them cry it out, whatever. It's like, that doesn't give Magalie the solution to her biology. So it becomes more of a process of, okay, I get that you have this undeniable compulsion and instinct to go pick up the baby. I am aware of an intuition that this is not gonna help the baby learn how to sleep can we work together somehow to help you manage your biology and then it takes the the fault and the charge and the trigger and all that stuff out of it
0: well it's 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 a beautiful honoring of of yeah understanding what we, paying respect to what we don't understand but mm-hmm. creating the space where we can then share ideas and and work in concert and i i i just know with laura when we're in alignment because Lily's watching everything, and our children are just sponges. And th- as we demonstrate our loving towards each other, towards ourselves, towards that honoring, Lily then is realizes it's a safe space for her to do it as well.
1: And also, it's okay with us sometimes if he's in the room when we're arguing, hmm. we just make sure that he sees the part where we make up and that we share honestly and vulnerably afterwards. Hmm. And we let him give feedback like that's really loud. Don't do that, you know. And I think that's very powerful. It's, you know, it's it's a different kind of parenting. There was, I was at a dinner the other night with a group of people, and 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 Luca had a bunch of cars. And this father and son came over with just one card, a car. And they started looking and made some comment about, wow, you have a lot of cars. And the person I was eating dinner with afterwards texted me and was kind of like uncomfortable because he felt like I should have made Luca give him one of the cars. Right? And I said, well, why didn't you ask Luca if he wanted to give him one of the cars? And he said, oh, I didn't think of that. And he said, well, what's your feeling on it? I said, so if I was to force him to give him one of the cars then I would be teaching him that external forces should govern his generosity. I'd rather support him in finding the inspiration to naturally feel an impulse to give, but it also may not have felt true to him in that moment to give for one reason or another that I simply don't understand. So I'm not in a position to violate his consciousness by telling him what he should and shouldn't do with things that I purport to have given to him. Do I want to teach him also that his property is not his property and that at any moment somebody can just take his things and tell him tough you do what i say? No, i don't want him to think that way about himself. So it's just it's a different it's a just a different way of looking at it because we're tending the garden of a consciousness. This is not a single thing, this is a system of consciousness and we need to be very very conscientious about the effect on the system of a certain feedback loop. So I want him to know that his voice matters. I want him to know that I love him. I want him to know that I honor his path and his choices. And I can give him feedback, but I'd rather he get the feedback in an honest way rather than you should give the car. And the other night, somebody the kid came over he was playing with his cars and he's like really like and then the kid's dad said oh you know we're gonna have to give those back to luca i said i don't know let's check with luca and i said hey luca would it be okay if he just took those cars home and luca said yes and then the kid took them home and it happened so gracefully luca was happy and he was telling the kid about the cars and how cool they are and it was just this loving experience but that kind of experience doesn't happen through forcing somebody into some idea of goodness. That happens through nurturing somebody into the magnificence of who they already are.
0: Well, I've got nothing more to
1: add to that. <laughs> I think it's, you're,
0: it's exquisite. It's, it's a, a form of parenting that I aspire to, that I so appreciate you sharing today. And I have a smile on my face because I just there's such wisdom and such value. And Jeffrey, I so appreciate you, I love you, and I thank you for sharing your gifts with your son, with your wife, with me, with all of us that, that have the opportunity to touch in with you. And uh, So thank you all for tuning in and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Its time. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode today, you can find out more about me and the work I do along with my guests at nickseagle.com. Thanks for listening.